Hello, Tori. That's right, we're doing Tarzan today. That song was a bop. They really popped off with that song. You know what? I really associate that gorilla, the Rosie O'Donnell gorilla with Mac quite a bit. Oh. Don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Turk, Turk, right? Yeah, Turk. Yep. Turk gives Mac vibes. Yeah. Mac gives The hair, Turk the vibes. attitude. Yeah. Feisty little lad. Potential non-binary gorilla. Yeah, I didn't even know Turk was supposed to be a girl for the longest time. Yeah, I, I, I was always like a very in between, like, for real? That's a girl. That's a they them gorilla if ever I saw one. <laughs> oh, hey, Paul, but yes. how are you? Oh gosh, well it's been so long since we last talked. Happy, um, happy weekend slash happy Wednesday when people yeah. actually listen to this. <laughs> True, when people actually listen to this, it's it's gonna be February. It's gonna be it's gonna be the month of love. Of love. Ooh. Maybe we have should you do. Fa- uh, have you found a gold berry yet, Paul? Oh, I wish for I could Valentine's find a gold Day. Berry. Yeah, I've I've never been one for Valentine's Day because I've just never really been in relationships around Valentine's Day, so nothing's really ever happened during that time. Um, but I was thinking possibly for February. We could, uh, for our bonus pod, do a shipping episode where we oh. talk about Lord of the Rings ships, uh, ones we ship, and then other ones that are more popular. And then uh, the there's so a, a little game bit of I the count. Numenor ships, and then the like Elven ships that Feanor burned down. Yes, and there is a, <laughs> those ships, right? <laughs> there is a game I want to try with you. Where I give you information on a fanfic, and you have to guess which ship it is. Oh, oh, I love that! I adore that. Absolutely. I have stolen it from another podcast, but you That's know what? That's great, though. It's not about theirs. Isn't about Lord of the Rings, so I can get away with it. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, I got nothing really to talk about much. That's Chins cool. That just means we and... will jump right into talking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> Enough of this gay banter. Give, give the people what they want. Gay Lord of the Rings. Strap in, baby. In three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Silly Marillion. As always, I am your host, Paul, an intrepid scholar of Tolkien and all his works, and joining me as ever, no longer, I don't, I don't really want to call you my student anymore, you're much more like my, my associate, my partner in this. Mentor. Uh, Mentee. You are the mentor mentee, yeah. Yeah, my mentee, my Lord of the Rings mentee, Tori. Tori, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me this week. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Oh, I'm sure. 
Your you Tom be. Bombadil voice, next level. Everyone says, you know what? Should I put my Tom Bombadil voice in my, my VO reel? I think <laughs> you just... have to. You changed people's minds on Tom Bombadil. They were like wow. not fans, and then you spoke him into existence, and they were like, you know what? Maybe he is a great little fellow with his boots of yellow. Yeah. Not really my intention, considering I'm not the biggest Powerful. fan of Tom Bombadil. Okay. Powerful. I don't mind Tom Bombadil. He's a great guy. I just don't think he fits in the story. That's just what's the point. That's just... Cool character, but like, what's the point? It it just feels like a very, like, it felt like that was like a filler episode of the show. Like, we'll n- we never see him again. So at least we can confide ourselves with that. But yes, this week we are continuing our deep dive into Fellowship of the Ring. We are currently still in book one of Fellowship of the Ring. And we are doing chapter 11, A Knife in the Dark. What's that? A knife! No! No! (laughs) That's Aragorn. That's Aragorn in this. (laughs) That's just Frodo getting stabbed by the knife. Sam is saying, what's that? Frodo yells a knife while getting stabbed. And Aragorn goes, no! Artist, you know what to do. Artist, yes. Tag us, please. God. I'm sure Cassie would do it. Or anyone, really. We got so many artists. Shout out to Ollie for the recent... um, The meme. The meme. Meme meme drive. The quality memes. Yes. If y'all want to join the Discord, the meme corner is my favorite channel. I am constantly laughing out loud at it. Yeah. And of course, I had to do more fucking Tom Bombadil lore in our Discord as well. (laughs) Didn't care for it, but it's a job. It's a living. The people want to know. The people want to know. The people deserve to know. (laughs) So, last time, the Hobbit arrived in Bree. Well, not... That was actually not last time. Last time, the hobbits had been in Bree and finally got to meet with the mysterious Strider. Yes. Who was so involved with a lot of their goings-on. Revealed himself to be a, a ranger named Aragorn. And uh, finally, and- we also got Mr. Butterbur to finally remember what he was yeah. constantly forgetting. Took him, like, he, a whole chapter. Which was basically giving Frodo a letter saying from Gandalf, I'm going to be late. Kind of Head important debris. letter, too. Yeah, it should have been sent a while ago. You know ago. what? I bet you Butterbur has ADHD, and he put it somewhere and then forgot it existed. Honestly, probably. That's 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 whole why. Then he finally he says he's a out. busy man. He's like he's got the only inn in town, basically. So everyone's going to his little tavern. But uh, we then go uh, to the fact that. Gandalf is also like, oh, and by the way, there's a guy on the road who could help you out. His name's Aragorn. He also goes by Strider. You can trust him. And they're like, okay. And Strider's like, cool. We're sleeping here tonight. We're not going back to your rooms because everyone fuck you saw you disappear in the previous chapter. You get a little and jingle Mary... and it's like, Striders, join the party. Yes, basically. You picked up an NPC. <laughs> and Mary bursts in to kind of confirm their suspicions. That the Nazgul are, in fact, in the town. They attacked him, but luckily they were run off by Nob with a lantern. Good old Nob. Good old Nob. Can't wait for him to be showing us his uh, bodacious uh, ass in the... In our sexy calendar. In our sexy calendar. (laughs) On God, I swear, at the end of Fellowship of the Ring, we should 
come out with a sexy calendar. Should we do a sexy calendar for each of the books? Ooh. We can make it like a like a zine, right? Where people a zine? A zine? How does one go about making calendars? <laughs> we have uh the rest of the book to figure it out. True. And then for yeah, so for Fellowship of the Ring it'll be like for 2024 or whatever the next year coming up will be and then Two Towers will be 2025. Yeah. And Return of the King will be 2026. All right. We got plans. Hell yeah. Oh, God. And there's so many, like, little side characters in each fucking <laughs> book. This will be fantastic. Bob and Bob. Spread one. Spread, spread one. So and then they somehow fall asleep with that um, impending doom. Well, it's they're in a very cozy setting. They have a fire going. They're all they're all tucked into blankets on the on the ground. A, which everyone says the ground the ground isn't very comfortable. But if you're with friends and you got like a bunch of blankets that you're just wrapped up in, like that sounds pretty cozy, cozy to me. So beginning this chapter, we actually start not at Bree but in Buckland. We catch up with uh, Fatty Bulger, seeing yeah. what he's been up to. Forgot about Fatty Bulger, Fatty. another character for the calendar. <clears throat> it's Fatty spelled with a P-H instead of an F. Ooh, fat. Fatty's got a fat Daddy Bulger. <laughs> no! <laughs> we need a compilation of all the times uh, that I scream at a joke and the audio just no! like, cuts off because it reaches a totally new pitch. Uh <clears throat> I mean, I should just change my uh, Twitter name to that for now. Daddy Do Bulger. Do it. Um, we are in good old Buckland, and the moods are creepy. Things are silent. There are dark figures looming over. What does it say? Oh, one went to the door, one to the corner of the house on either side, and there they stood as still as the shadows of stones while night went slowly on creepy jimmy's really set in the mood here mm -hmm. uh, oh and then i don't know if i was just reading this too late but who is this voice that says open okay. in the name of mordor yeah so that is one of the ring rates as they try to break into crick hollow oh. uh, you got fatty who said i'm gonna stay behind where it's safe and uh keep keep track of the house it's not safe my dude it's not safe at all uh. And so, like, the Nazgul basically approach and yell, open in the name of Mordor, and start to break in. Uh, but just and then, a horn really call. haven't talked or heard Mordor in a long time, right? Like, yeah. it's kind of, like, shushed. We don't talk. We, we don't talk about Bruno no more. And we don't no talk one, about Mordor no more. No one has, like, really brought it up, uh, except in, like, hushed whispers. And no one has ever done Mordor, anything in the name no, of Mordor. No, no, we don't talk about Mordor. In fact, I don't think but no one would have done anything in the name of Mordor in this part of the world since the Second Age. So, like, it's been thousands of years mm. since anyone's done something like that. Mm. But, luckily, Fatty Bulger has escaped and has run off, and they start to give off the horn call of Buckland all around. Awake! Fear! Fire! Foes! Awake! Man, and that's the warning. That is terrifying. 
And they basically, it's them, like, basically summoning the local militia, essentially. Fear, mm. fire, foes. It's the horn call of Buckland. And it had not been sounded in a hundred years, not since the yeah. white wolves came in the fell winter when the brandy wine was frozen over. Wait, wait. The horn call basically scares off the Nazgul, who realize that Frodo isn't there. Mm-hmm. But, of course, they remember this. Let the little people blow. Sauron would deal with them later. That is frightening. That is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I underlined that line because I was like, that is, yeah, creepy. And it, it kind of implies that they killed hobbits on the way out. They rode down the guards at the gate and vanished from the Shire. Yeah. Well, poor Shire. Just living in harmony and then it's chaos. So then Frodo wakes up to a site I, w- I, I bet we all wish we could wake up to. <laughs> uh, Strider, sitting alone, alert in his chair. His eyes gleamed in the light of the fire, which had been tended and was burning brightly, but he made no sign or movement. And then he goes back to sleep. That would actually comfort me a little to know that, like, this buff, handsome man is... He's not is... buff. He is not buff. Aragorn. This... Aragorn is a scrawny man with a sword. He's... Well, this intimidating-looking man, who I'm sure can hold himself in a fight, is, like, alert and actually on watch, so. Especially if you are a hobbit, and this guy is, like, 6'5 or so. Yeah. And you as a hobbit are, like, half his fucking size. Uh, They wake up, and Strider kind of, like, is like, okay, let's go check on your rooms. And they open up the rooms, and, like, everything's been busted up. The The windows have been broken through. The... Uh, carpet has been slashed. The brown mat, oh, yeah. yeah. Brown mat was torn to pieces. That could have been them. Could have been them. Strider immediately goes to tell Butterbur that a bunch of his uh, stuff is ruined. And it wasn't us. Don't charge us for the mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he says, never has such a thing happened in my time. Which is like, that's when you know shit's about to go down. Yeah. Guests unable to sleep in their beds and good bolsters ruined and all? What are we coming to? Dark times, said Strider. And it is dark times. Things are starting to kick up. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to check on the ponies. Mm -hmm. And the ponies are gone. gone. The ponies are vanished. All the horses have been, all the horses that were stabled have been run off. That's okay. It's not like we needed them for a quick getaway. Not at all. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's what, well, that's what Strider says, because he's like, I wasn't going to have us go by the road, and ponies would have just slowed us down once we went into the wilderness. But it's, like, the baggage we need to carry. We need, like, food and supplies for our journey, yeah. and we can't all carry it ourselves. We're going to need something. But I do love how Strider, at the prospect of them just not having a pony whatsoever is like, how much are you prepared to carry on your backs? And Pippin says, as much as we must. But he, he it's him, like, being trying to be a brave little boy, basically. Yeah. Like, as, much as, as much as as much as we need to. I love the next and then, line from Sam. And then, yeah, Sam, I can carry enough for two. Because we know you can, Sam. You're looking at Frodo when you say that. Yep, yep. Like, Mr. Frodo <laughs> isn't going to need to carry shit with me around. <laughs> Uh, but then Frodo's like, guys, don't be fucking stupid. Mr. Butterbur, could we get a pony somewhere? Someone and... must have a pony somewhere. Yes. And Mr. Butterbur's like, well, people who own animals around here probably won't be looking to sell, but I'll have Bob look for someone. And Mary's like, oh, well, 
here's here's a silver lining. We can sit down for breakfast. Now <laughs> now that we know we can't have a quick getaway, we can just chill and have a nice good breakfast. I don't know how they can stay there and enjoy breakfast after like the room they were supposed to be sleeping in was torn to pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, it's down to the fact that I suppose that they're hobbits and they can get over a lot of stuff pretty That's quickly. That's true. <laughs> no comfort like, no like doubt, food. Like, Aragorn's looking at them like they're fucking insane. And <laughs> it's like, can't can't believe it. So the yeah, Bob so comes back with Bob news comes of back one pony. Like, yep, he's like, oh, Bill Fernie uh, is looking to sell a pony, but he won't part with it for less than thrice its worth. And Frodo's like, okay, well. How do we know it won't just return to Bill Fernie once we buy it? And Stratus like, I doubt an- any animal would willingly return to <laughs> some prick like Bill Fernie. Such shade. And he's yes, like, at we this need point, to borrow a pony from the asshole <laughs> gossip of the town. It's not even buying; it's uh, borrowing. It's buying. Uh, and Strider's like, the the chief danger is that the poor beast is probably at death's door. <laughs> And Master Fernie's just trying to line his pockets before we leave. And Bill Fernie's like, yeah, I can say this pony, but it'll be worth 12 silver pennies. And that was apparently three times the pony's value in those parts. They're I love in, this description. They're a pony. It proved to be a bony, underfed, and dispirited animal. But it did not look like dying just yet. There was a little spirit left within it. And I do like how Mr. Butterbird is, like, an honest man. And he's like, well, you lost your ponies, so I'll cover the cost. I'll buy this pony. Yeah. But I and fucking then... hate... I can't. I, he's like, I fucking hate being cheated by Bill Fernie. When you gotta, you gotta. I also love how the next little paragraph after that is just a whole little stanza about what happens to the ponies. Like, Jimmy had to tell us the pony epilogue. He was like... Now I know you're probably worried about the ponies, so let me. So let me so sit down. Ease. Let me tell you. <laughs> they return to the downs where they met Fatty Lumpkin, and Tom Bombadil takes care of them, and then he sends them back to Bree, and Mister Butterbird like makes sure they have a good house and they have hard work, but Bob treats them well, and they aren't involved in this dark and dangerous journey. And they live happily ever after. Meanwhile. <laughs> Yes, however, meanwhile, Mr. Butter <laughs> knew his money was gone for good or for bad. And uh, by this time, like, people are like, where are our fucking horses? And they start, like, like blaming uh, Butterbur, but then they also notice that uh, the squint-eyed southerner who was with Bill Fernie and who had come with this group of uh, people from the south yeah, isn't yeah. among them anymore. And Mr. Butterbur is like, uh, if you pick up with a horse thief and bring him to my house, you ought to pay for all the damage yourselves and not come shouting at me. Go ask Fernie where your handsome friend is. But it appeared he was nobody's friend, and nobody could recollect when he joined their party. Mmm. 3D. Sounds like the goat man. The goat man. The goat man. Bring him you know that creepypasta? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know all about uh, the goat man cryptid. Yeah. I'm on your bridge, goat man. <laughs> <laughs> So they have their breakfast, and they say goodbye to Butterbur and Nob and Bob. And I do love Frodo saying, I'd like to come back and visit the Prancing Pony for, like, an yeah. actual vacation. And not for when fun, I'm not when they're trying to, running like, for my fucking life. Flee the country. <laughs> 
and uh, they start to walk off. And I also love how Nob and Bob gave Sam uh, a, yeah, uh, he gave Sam a bunch of apples. Because I like the idea of Nob and Bob, because Frodo, Mary, and Pippin are rich boys. Frodo, Mary, and Pippin are like the upper class of hobbits, basically. While Sam is just a humble working class gardener. I yeah. love the idea of Nob and Bob being like class solidarity. Yeah. You know, like, here, here are some apples, Sam. You take care of yourself. These rich boys aren't going to do it for you. You got to <laughs> yeah, do it yourself. We look but. out for each other. They start gathering a bit of a crowd. Like children are watching them go. And everyone's just like really interested. Because rumor has spread over the town now about Frodo's vanishing act. And all the strange doings at the Prancing Pony over the night. And finally as they come to this last house in the village... Uh, they see the squint-eyed southerner looking at them through a window before vanishing. Yeah. Also and, sounding like a cryptid. Yeah, and that is the house of Bill Fernie, who's waiting there, and says, Morning, Longshanks. Off early. Found some friends at last. Morning, my little friends. I suppose you know who you've taken up with. That stick at not strider, that is. Though I've heard other names not so pretty. Watch out tonight, and you, Sammy, don't go ill-treating my poor old pony. You, Sammy. And I Sam. love this next And paragraph. you, Fernie, he said. Put your ugly face out of sight, or it'll get hurt. With a sudden flick, quick as lightning, an apple left his hand and hit Bill square in the nose. He ducked too late, and curses came from behind the hedge. Waste of a good apple, said Sam regretfully, and strode on. I love that, because the Sam that I know from the movies isn't that sassy. And so this mm -hmm. kind of took me by surprise. And I was like, yes, you go, Sam. Sam doesn't. It's also because Sam has seen, like, how, like, injured this fucking whore pony is that they've gotten. And it's probably, like, animal cruelty. Don't like that. <laughs> Put your ugly face out of sight or it will get hurt. Cold. Mm -hmm. So then so they, they finally, finally make their leave. way out. Yes, they finally leave the village and go down the road a bit before uh, Strider's like, okay, we're going off the road. And Pippin goes, not a shortcut, I hope. Our last shortcut through woods nearly ended in disaster. Ah, but you had not got me with you then, laughs Strider. My cut, short or long, don't go wrong. Was our last shortcut, like, through the Barrow Downs? Technically, they're last shortcut technically okay so the barrow downs and the old forest wasn't necessarily a shortcut well, it was a last it was a last second uh decision their last actual shortcut i think was when they left the road in the shire and started cutting across country and came out in farber maggot's fields uh, okay farmer maggot with the glock mm -hmm. and the hounds and the hounds and so, yeah, they just start walking. <laughs> but Strider does talking. say, we will have to look out because Bill Ferner probably, like, followed us a little bit to see where we got off the road. And he'll be telling people. Yeah. Little gossiper, little ch chismoso. Then they start walking through the marshes. Yeah, they, they cut through the Chetwood and come out in the Midgewater Marshes. And 
is properly described by Pippin by saying, Midgewater? There are more midges than water. <laughs> what do they live on when they can't get Hobbit? Asked Sam. These sassy hobbits, I love it. I also wrote down that they cut through, uh, so they left Bree, and now they just basically entered Florida. With all the swamps, basically. maybe some crocs, it's just squishy land. All, all you can see, as far as the eye can see. And even worse are the uh, Neeker Breakers. Neeker Breakers! Mm-hmm. Cute. That squeaked all around. Neek Break and Break Neek. Neek. <laughs> uh, from the sound of them, they were evil relatives of the cricket. <laughs> <laughs> and that night, though, when they're just trying to get some sleep and Frodo isn't, they see some like weird lights coming out in the oh, eastern yeah. sky. And... Frodo's like, what's that light? And Strider's like, I've got no idea. It looks like lightning, but I can't tell for sure. Mm. And again, there's this common theme of Frodo falling asleep to the vigilant figure of Strider looking over him, basically. Mm -hmm. And also falling asleep to like creepy things happening in the background. I don't know how they sleep more than like an hour. So they finally reach the hills. They they get out of the Midgewater Marshes and reach the hills and come across the hill of Weathertop. Uh, Amansul in Elvish. Mm-hmm. And basically Strider is... And they're really hoping for Gandalf to be there. Yeah, Strider's hoping to... It's a good kind of meeting point because... Everyone can fucking see it, but it's also dangerous because everyone can fucking see it. Because everyone can see it. Everyone can see it, and you can see everyone else when you're on top of it, right? Like, looking down Mm -hmm. upon the valley. Or Uh, the marshes. And even, like, yeah, and Strider's like, if the, like, riders don't find us in the wild, they'll probably actually make for Weathertop, because you can see a lot from Weathertop, and It'll be a place that they'll probably just want to meet up at. And I also love this um, uh, this description Strider gives. Indeed, there are many birds and beasts in this country that could see us as we stand here from that hilltop. Not all the birds are to be trusted, and there are other spies more evil than they are. And it gives me such Narnia vibes, where it's mm. like, oh, some of the trees have sided with the White Witch and stuff like that. Or how in present day the birds are just like government cameras watching over us. And, of course, yeah, when Strider's like, oh, beware, the, the birds can be evil. And Sam just goes, you do make me feel uncomfortable and lonesome, <laughs> Strider. Really not helping with the mood here. They already couldn't sleep before. Yeah. Things just become more daunting and daunting. And then, and yeah, Frodo's like, what do we do then? So we got, we'll just make for Weathertop and we'll figure it out when we get there. So they start going through these hills, which are called, quite fittingly, the Weather Hills. And as they're walking along, Pippin declares that Frodo looking it looks twice the hobbit he had been. And Frodo makes the joke of, very odd, considering there is actually a good deal less of me. I hope the thinning <laughs> process will not go on indefinitely, or I shall become a wraith. And Strider's like, don't say my trigger word, please. Yeah. Trauma activated. That was a cute little joke by Frodo, though. And then, a little passage. Uh, yes. And so they continue off into the hills. The hills drew nearer. 
They made an undulating ridge, often rising almost to a thousand feet, and here or there falling again to low clefts or passes leading into the eastern land beyond. Along the crest of the ridge, the hobbits could see what looked to be the remains of green-grown walls and dikes, and in the clefts there still stood the ruins of old works of stone. By night, they had reached the feet of the westward slopes, and there they camped. It was the night of the 5th of October, and they were six days out from Bree. In the morning, they found, for the first time since they had left the Chetwood, a track plain to see. They turned right and followed it southwards. It ran cunningly, taking a line that seemed chosen so as to keep as much hidden as possible from the view, both of the hilltops above and of the flats to the west. It dived into dells and hugged steep banks, and where it passed over flatter and more open ground on either side of it, there were lines of large boulders and hewn stones that screened the travelers almost like a hedge. I wonder who made this path, and what for, said Mary, as they walked along one of these avenues, where the stones were unusually large and closely set. I'm not sure that I like it. It has a, well, rather a barrow whitish look. Is there any barrow on Weathertop? No, there is no barrow on Weathertop, nor on any of these hills, answered Strider. The men of the West did not live here, though in their latter days they defended the hills for a while against the evil that came out of Angmar. This path was made to serve the forts along the walls, but long before, in the first days of the North Kingdom, they built a great watchtower on Weathertop. Amonsul, they called it. It was burned and broken, and nothing remains of it now but a tumbled ring, like a rough crown on the old hill's head. Yet once it was tall and fair. It is told that Elendil stood there watching for the coming of Gil-galad out of the west in the days of the Last Alliance. The hobbits gazed at Strider. It seemed that he was learned in the old lore, as well in the ways of the wild. Who was Gil-galad? asked Mary. But Strider did not answer, and seemed to be lost in thought. Suddenly, a low voice murmured, Gil-galad was an elven king, of him the harpers sadly sing, the last whose realm was fair and free between the mountains and the sea. His sword was long, his lance was keen, his shining helm afar was seen. The countless stars of heaven's field were mirrored in his silvered shield. But long ago he rode away, and where he dwelleth none can say, for into darkness fell his star, in Mordor where the shadows are. The others turned in amazement, for the voice was Sam's. Don't stop, said Mary. That's all I know, stammered Sam, blushing. I learned it from Mr. Bilbo when I was a lad. He used to tell me tales like that, knowing how I was always one for hearing about elves. It was Mr. Bilbo as taught me my letters, he mighty book-learned was dear old Mr. Bilbo, and he wrote poetry. He wrote what I have just said. He did not make it up, said Strider. It is part of the lay that is called the Fall of Gil-galad, which is in an ancient tongue. Bilbo must have translated it. I never knew that. There was a lot more, said Sam. All about Mordor. I, I didn't learn that part. It gave me the shivers. I never thought I would be going that way myself. Going to Mordor? cried Pippin. I hope it won't come to that. Do not speak that name so loudly, said Strider. Little, little lore drop there. Yeah, the hobbit's yelling out like, oh, Mordor, Wraiths, and Strider being like, oh my god, shut up. Please. Stop, stop while you're ahead. <laughs> stop. 
not the time nor the place for you to be just yelling Mordor out loud when servants of Mordor are trying to come after us. <laughs> I also must say that little passage just felt very Tory when I just like drop info about elves and then friends ask me to elaborate and I'm like, that's all I know, stammered Tory, blushing. I learned it from Paul when I was a lad. <laughs> He used to tell me tales like that, knowing how I was always one for hearing about elves. That could just be the whole little summary of our podcast. It could be. Paul, tell me about the elves. Oh, let me tell you about the elves story. Well, actually, let me tell you about Gil Galad. <laughs> so, Gil Galad, as seen in Amazon's The Rings of Power, <laughs> uh, Gil Galad was an elven king. He was the last high king of the Noldor. Um... He is... Okay, so his parentage is always disputed. Wait, is he the twilight-looking motherfucker in Rings of Power? With, like, the long brown hair, yeah. with the golden laurels? Yeah, yeah that's Gil-galad. Gotcha. Yeah, the thing about Gil-galad is that his parentage is disputed because Tolkien seems to have, like, waffled back and forth as to who, like, Gil-galad's, Gil like, father was. Mm-hmm. And, like, he starts off saying, oh, his father was Finrod Feligund, who was the, mm. who was Galadriel's brother, who fought a werewolf. Yeah. And died, basically. Then he changed it to Fingon, son of Fingolfin, who was another high king of the Noldor. And then he was like, nah, that doesn't fit either. So then he settled on Ordodreth who, depending on the source, because Tolkien never... Because a lot of this was just from Tolkien's notes. Orodreth is either... Is either, like, Galadriel's nephew or brother, depending on who it is. And... He then has... It's basically genuinely seen as Orodreth uh, being his father. But none of that fucking matters, because <laughs> all you need more. to know is that Gil Gilgalad was the high king, basically, for all of the Second Age. He's just, like, he high royalty. He lived in the El the last elven kingdom of Lyndon. Lyndon mm. was basically a, uh, well, as described in the song, uh, the last whose realm was fair and free between the mountains and the sea. And Linden is the land between the Blue Mountains and the uh, the Great Sea, Belagir, and it is uh, west of the Shire. Basically, okay. if you look at your map, uh, you see like Forlinden and Harlinden on your Middle Earth map. Beyond the Blue Mountains, that used to be the Elven Kingdom of Linden. Got it. And he was he led the elves in the Battle of the Last Alliance against Sauron in the Second Age. And he is killed by Sauron, basically, in that war. Rest in peace. What a real one. I mean, I know so, yeah, nothing can bring him down but Sauron, so... Yeah, and that's why, like, Aragorn is so quick to hush up, like, the story of the fall of Gil-galad. Mm. Because he's like, oh... It doesn't end well. <laughs> this won't help the uh, how everyone is feeling about this adventure if we <laughs> stick to those dark tales. Yeah, dark tales. Ooh, <laughs> da, 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 da. Sorry, <laughs> that's all I heard when he said, <laughs> all I heard was duck tales, and I'm like, oh. 
So, they finally reach the base of Weathertop and find this kind of little sheltered little valley at its base where uh, Pippin and Sam stay behind while Frodo, Mary... Oh, wait. Yeah, Frodo, Mary, and Strider go up the hill to basically get a look around. And Mary says the most, like, mood thing of, well, here we are. <laughs> like, I imagine the entire climb up, like, Mary was just like, oh, this is terrible. This sucks so much. And they get to the top. He's like, oh, wow, look, we're at the top of a hill now. He's not one you bring on hikes where there's no reward at the end. Well, Basically. we made it. Now we have to go well, down. we're here now. They find a few, uh, it, well, a lot of the ground at the top of this is actually burned. And they find a marking that looks like the elf rune G, and then three little scratches next to it. And they basically determine that it was a mark from Gandalf that he was there on October 3rd. And it's October 6th when they okay. reach there. So that was Gandalf still kind was there of a three guess. days ago. Yeah. Yeah, still kind of a guess, but then when you think about it, um they saw the east th- three nights ago, they saw the eastern sky light up. Mm, and it with would check out. Fire. Fancy wizard and, like, and some lightning looking stuff when there is yeah, no basically, clouds. They do the math. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, he's not here, so we're going to have to just head to Rivendell on our own." And it'll take a fortnight. And Frodo's like, fuck. <laughs> That's gonna suck so badly. And, but then, like, like Strider's like, yeah, it probably is, as he's, like, looking out over the surrounding areas before he's like, oh, shit, and he just kind of, like, throws uh, Pippin, uh, so, sorry, he throws Frodo to the ground, and Mary's like, ah, and he drops to the ground, too. And they see uh, several figures on the road below the hill. There we go, it's way, getting spooky. Yes. So they head back down the hill and tell the others. And not before Strider says that he doesn't know what it is, but he fears the worst. Yeah, I mean, and at this point, that should be your general attitude when you're being hunted by undead wraiths. They also find that uh, some supplies were left behind, and so I was like, it's probably other rangers, because rangers use this spot a lot of times to just kind of get a, a look of the surrounding area and resupply themselves. Yeah. Uh, but whoever was here left the firewood behind, and the rangers have been here lately, but the like latest one was only one or two days ago. And it's kind of hard to tell because Sam and Pimpin have trampled all over the tracks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Sam's like, I don't want to stay in this place. Shouldn't we find like a better spot? Yeah, shouldn't we and leave replies, because there are some looming shadows kind of getting closer. Yeah. And Strider's like, well, Sam, I do not like this place either, but I cannot think of anywhere better that we could reach before nightfall. At least we are out of sight for the moment. And if we moved, we should be more likely to be seen by spies. All we could do would be to go right out of our way back north on the side of the line of hills, where the land is all much the same as it is here. The road is watched, but we should have to cross it if we tried to cover in the thicket if we tried to take cover in the thickets away to the south. On the north side of the road beyond the hills, the country is bare and flat for for miles. And then we get this kind of ominous thing where Sam uh, or Mary goes, "Can the riders see?" Excellent question, Mary. And Strider goes, 
black, their black horses can see, and the riders can use men and other creatures as spies, as we found at Bree. They themselves do not see the world of light as we do, but our shapes cast shadows in their minds, which only the noon sun destroys, and in the dark they perceive many signs and forms that are hidden from us. Then they are most to be feared, and at all times they smell the blood of living things, desiring and hating it. Senses, too, there are other than sight or smell. We can feel their presence. It troubled our hearts as soon as we came here, and before we saw them they feel ours more keenly. Also, he added, and his voice sank to a whisper, the ring draws them. Is there no escape, then? said Frodo, looking round wildly. If I move, I shall be seen and hunted. If I stay, I shall draw them to me. There is still hope. You are not alone. Let us take this wood that is ready for, a, for the fire as a sign. There is a little shelter or defense here, but fire shall serve for both. Sauron can put fire to his evil uses, as he can all things. But these riders do not love it, and fear those who wield it. Fire is our friend in the wilderness. Maybe, muttered Sam. It's also a good way of saying, here we are, as I can think of, bar shouting. Good point, Sam. Good point. I love how this entire time Sam is just putting down Strider because he still does not trust yeah. him. So like every time he's like, oh, maybe we should move. Oh, maybe we shouldn't light a fire. Yeah. Are you sure about this? Which is good to have a little, you know, questioning person in the camp who's not quick to trust and looking out. I love that little lord drop. Um, of the black riders where they can see shadows and mm -hmm. the only time where they can't really see people is at noon when the sun is top and you don't cast a shadow yeah and they're they're always sniffing smelling uh desiring blood and hating it as in cuz they're not alive so if they're desiring it, is it more of like they wish they were alive or they're out to get the blood? Kind of vampire-esque. I love that whole description. It's creepy and a little a good way to drop some some added lore to them. Yeah, some sneaky lore. So they set up camp. They they do make a little supper, but nothing a lot. Because I was like, yeah, we can't have like I don't know how we're gonna like sustain our food sources before we can yeah. we get to Rivendell. But and Strider's like, don't worry, we can we can live off the land. So tighten your belts and think with hope of the tables of Elrond's house. Yeah, let's go to an elf feast soon. And then they like they make a fire, but they're like looking away from the fire to kind of keep keep out, uh, like keep track mm -hmm. of what's going on around them. Yeah. And to kind of uh keep away the scary feelings and to distract themselves. Yeah. They want a little story time around the campfire. And I love the description of Frodo and his companions huddled around the fire, wrapped in every garment and blanket they possessed. And while I know they're probably all doing this individually, I always imagine them all together under like all these blankets and then just kind of like Aww, huddled together. Yeah. Because they're so small, it's probably like one human-sized blanket. Yeah. Across all their shoulders. And Mary's like, oh, tell us about Gil-Galad. Do you know any more of that old lay you spoke of? And Charlotte's like, yeah, I do. And Frodo does too, because it concerns him a lot. 
And Frodo's like, well, Gilgaladus Starlight in their tongue. Love With it. Elendil, the elf friend, he went to the land of... And Sarah's like, actually, you know what? Never no, mind. Let's not do this. This won't help morale. Never mind. It's like, we can, you can learn more later. And Sam's like, all right, well then, how about you fucking tell us of another tale? I would and dearly like, like to hear more about will. elves. He's like, I shall tell you the tale of Tenubio. And then he starts to sing. <clears throat> the leaves were long. The grass was green, the hemlock umbles tall and fair, and in the glade a light was seen, of stars in shadow shimmering, Tinuviel was dancing there, to music of a pipe unseen. And light of stars was in her hair, and in her raiment glimmering. There Baron came from mountains cold, and lost he wandered under leaves, and where the elven river rolled, he walked alone and sorrowing he peered between the hemlock leaves and saw in wonder flowers of gold upon her mantle and her sleeves and her hair like shadow following Enchantment healed his weary feet, that over hills were doomed to roam, and forth he hastened strong and fleet, and grasped at moonbeams glistening, through woven woods in elven home, she lightly fled on dancing feet and left him lonely still to roam in the silent forest listening he heard there oft the flying sound of feet as light as linden leaves or music welling underground in hidden hollows quavering now withered lay the hemlock sheaves and one by one with sighing sound Whispering fell the beechen leaves in the wintry woodland wavering. He sought her ever wandering far, where leaves of years were thickly strewn, by light of moon and ray of star in frosty heavens shivering. Her mantle glinted in the moon, as on a hilltop high and far, she danced and at her feet was strewn, a mist of silver quivering. 
When winter passed, she came again, and her song released the sudden spring, like rising lark and falling rain, and melting water bubbling, he saw the elven flowers spring about her feet and healed again. He longed by her to dance and sing upon the grass untroubling. Again she fled, but swift he came to Nuviel, to Nuviel. He called her by her elvish name, and there she halted, listening. One moment stood she, and a spell his voice laid on her, barren came, and doom fell on Tinuviel, that in his arms lay glistening, as barren looked into her eyes, within the shadows of her hair, the trembling starlight of the skies, he saw their mirrored shimmering, Tinuviel the elven fair, immortal maiden, elven wise, about him cast her shadowy hair, and arms like silver glimmering. Long was the way that fate them bore, O'er stony mountains cold and gray, Through halls of iron and darkling door, And woods of nightshade more, more or less, The sundering seas between them lay, And yet at last they met once more and long ago they passed away in the forest singing sorrowless oh well done thank you oh i loved listening to that fucked up the notes a few times but i loved it that was i fantastic. think strider would have fucked up the notes a few times absolutely too. <laughs> it this oh, the song is so beautiful and like listening to you actually sing it instead of like me just reading it made it mm -hmm. sound so beautiful and also think of how jimmy is kind of like writing this for his wife like this is very yes. much like a love song for her mm -hmm. and also the weight that it carries with aragorn singing it and knowing like what he feels for arwen which I don't know yet what that implies or how much it is in the pre, but mm -hmm. knowing that he's basically in this very similar situation. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And also already knowing the story of the yes. Luthien. And even if you didn't, he does actually give a very decent summary yeah. immediately afterwards. Yeah. Telling the story of Baron and Luthien. The way Tenuviel sounds. Beautiful. Yes, Tenuvio. Tenuvio. And then he just kind of wanders lore. off. He does well he does a big lore dump. True. He does the whole lore dump. 
And it's not just the story of Baron and Luthien, but then he like talks about how Elrond is their descendant, and so were the kings of Numenor. And only like when he mentions the kings of Numenor, he kind of gets like this look in his eyes. And then the moon comes out. Just in time. And Sam and Mary kind of get up to stretch their legs and walk around the dell. And Strider stays at the fire. And then this part gets kind of spooky because Sam runs back and goes, I don't know what it is, but I suddenly felt afraid. I didn't go outside this dell for any money. I felt that something was creeping up the slope. Did you see anything? Asked Frodo. No, sir, I saw nothing, but I didn't stop to look. I saw something, said Mary, or I thought I did, away westwards where the moonlight was falling on the flats between the shadow of the hilltops. I thought there were two or three black shapes. They seemed to be moving this way. So they all come to the fire and all face outward, keeping an eye out. And get your sticks ready. Yeah, get your sticks ready. Well, they have their uh, they have their daggers that Tom Bombadil gave them from the Barrow Downs. Yeah. But then, oh god, this description. Over the lip of the little dell, on the side away from the hill, they felt, rather than saw, a shadow rise. One shadow, or more than one. They strained their eyes, and the shadows seemed to grow. Soon there could be no doubt. Three or four or tall black figures were standing there on the slope, looking down on them. So black were they, that they seemed like black holes in the deep shade behind them. Frodo thought that he heard a faint hiss, as of venomous breath, and felt a thin, piercing chill. Then, the shapes slowly advanced. Ooh, spooky! Uh, and all shit goes to hell at this point. <laughs> Pippin and Mary, they throw themselves to the ground in fear. Sam is still standing, but he just kind of shrinks to Frodo's side. Ew. And then he suddenly has the desire to put on the ring. Oh boy. Oh boy, and it's kind of like he knows he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't do it, but there's just such a pull for him to put it on his ring. And it's it's different because last time in the Barrow, he felt the need to escape, but this one it's described as not with the hope of escape or of doing anything, either good or bad. He simply felt that he must take the ring and put it on his finger. Yeah. And he does. He slips the ring on. He tries to fight it, but he can't. And this is when he sees the Nazgul as they truly are. You thought they were creepy before. Mm -hmm. Just wait, there's more. There were five tall figures, two standing on the lip of the dell, three advancing. In their white faces burned keen and more and merciless eyes. Under their mantles were long gray robes, upon their gray hairs were helms of silver, in their haggard hands were swords of steel. Their eyes fell on him and pierced him as they rushed towards him. Desperate he drew his own sword, and it seemed to him that it flickered red as if it were a firebrand. Two of the figures halted. The third was taller than the others. His hair was long and gleaming, and on his helm was a crown. In one hand he held a long sword, and in the other a knife. Both the knife and the hand that held it glowed with a pale fire. And Frodo just decides, fuck it. And he springs forward and yells, Oh, Elbereth, Gilthoniel! He's calling out on Varda in that moment. What is Gilthoniel? Uh, Has that name been said? 
Uh, it's part of her title. Okay. And I remember Elbreth. So yeah, Elbreth means Star Queen. Mm-hmm. And Githaniel means Star Kindler. So that's kind of like, so it's basically him calling out her name Elbreth and then adding like her title. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Oh, Star Kindler. Gorgeous. And he strikes at the feet of the enemy and it actually does a little bit of damage, but then a pain like smotes his side. And even as he swoons, he catches a glimpse of Strider kind of coming through with a flaming brand and like scaring off the ring wraiths yeah. and with his last bit of energy he just slips the ring off from his finger and closes it his hand around it that was our first instance of frodo getting grabbed and stabbed part one he's he's very he is very talented at that, that he's very talented at when i first watched the movie that stabbed. was the running theme i was like this this little bitch is always getting grabbed and stabbed Exactly. Like Bilbo was always hiding and like falling and running into bushes or passing out somewhere. This this guy is getting stabbed. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad he made it this far in the book though before his first stab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good on him. And that he was, made it. It really took till the last like three sentences for us to get the knife in the dark. Yeah. Chapter Love end. <laughs> chapter ends so there's not really much to talk about with this chapter this is a lot of lord dumping there was a lot of aragorn q and walking yep a lot uh, of singing yes and a singing. lot of the nazgul just being fucking creepy being a little creepy in, in the back a little horror little creepers. give you chills they're multiplying god until the very end and when frodo gets till the very end <laughs> yes uh, do we know who the Nazgul with the crown is? Or is it just that like... Is, that is the Witch King of Angmar. Ah. He's the chief of the Nazgul, and it kind of uh, impl- like shows how like he is taller than the other Nazgul because he himself was a Numenorean before mm-hmm. he became the Witch King. Mm-hmm. And he's not as fearful of Frodo with the ring because Frodo draws his blade. And because his blade is a blade of westerness, it is very uh, uh, useful against the uh, weapons of the enemy, against uh, the bodies of the Nazgul. Ah. And the other Nazgul are very hesitant to approach him. And then you see the Witch King is the one who kind of just goes in for it. Yeah. And actually gets the stab on Frodo. Yeah, actually stabs Frodo. And so Frodo saw the real kind of them when he put the ring on. What do the ring wraith see when, like, what does Frodo look like when he puts the ring on? So we don't know. We don't know what the ring wraiths see. I assume they mostly see things in the way that Frodo does, where... Mm. They see him in, like, a shadowy form while he sees them as bright and very, Mm. like, uh, well defined in the spirit world but it is an important note that they can see him when he puts yes they can the see on, him unlike everyone else mm-hmm. uh, good shit good shit i want to keep going what's the next chapter uh our next chapter which we will cover next time is chapter 12 
Flight to the Ford. Flight to the Ford? Ford truck? Ford tough? Flight to the Ford F-150. <laughs> Flight to Harrison Ford. And then that will be the end of book one Whoa. of Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, snap. Wait, how many books are there? Is it three? Or two? Uh, there are two books in each uh, book, okay. if that makes sense. <laughs> two books in each book, which all three books make the full parts Six. of the book. Yes. I suppose, like, a fun, like, trivia question to stump someone on is, how many books are there in Lord oh. of the Rings? And they'll be like, three. It's like, wrong, actually. There are six. You know what? That's very biblical of Jimmy. Because it's like, how many books are in the Bible? It's like, the Bible isn't one book. It's actually, I don't even know how Multiple many. Books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh. But yes. Hey. Uh, yeah, nothing else really to say. Good shit. Good shit. I love that Good. song. I really loved you singing that song. Oh, I liked it. I loved uh, also just the imagery of Luthien just like dancing, dancing around the field. Mm. And Baron slowly falling in love like me. <laughs> <laughs> Get Mac to dance in a field for you. I feel like I can't say to the listeners, thanks for listening to our shit, because this was such a beautiful episode. There wasn't much shit. Yeah, there wasn't. There wasn't much nonsense, yeah. which I don't know how many people will like this episode <laughs> with its distinct lack of nonsense, considering we, uh, we, we've... A little less silly and a little more beauty. It's all yes. about balance. Welcome to the beauty, Marillion. <laughs> We're your handsome hosts. <laughs> Paul and Tori, let us take you on this journey. Welcome to Paul and Tori. It's, we're glammed out. Darling, we're sophisticated now. No dick Gosh. jokes in this episode. Now we gotta cut the episode off before that starts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Ba-da-ba. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. <laughs>